Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast with your host, Andrew Keel. This is the podcast where you can get the education you need to invest 100% passively in the highly profitable niche of mobile home parks. Welcome to the Passive Mobile Home Park Investing Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Keel. And today we have an amazing guest in Mr. Edwin Byler from Blue State Capital. Before we dive in, I want to ask a real quick favor. Would you mind taking an extra 30 seconds and heading over to iTunes to rate this podcast with five stars? This helps us get more listeners, and it means the absolute world to me. So thanks for making my day with that five-star review of the show. All right, let's dive in. Edwin Byler is a commercial real estate broker and investor based out of North Carolina. He started at the ripe age of 19, investing in real estate as a means for additional income while still working his W-2 job. He has since built a portfolio of 60 mobile home park lots and approximately 25,000 square feet of commercial mixed-use space. Edwin continues to invest throughout North Carolina. He enjoys using creative financing, uh, including zero money down, and relationships to get deals done. Uh, Edwin also, uh, as a side note, has two world records in the deadlift. So I'm excited to uh, learn a little bit more about that. Edwin, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much. And thank you so much for the uh, phenomenal introduction. (laughs) That was excellent. Yeah, maybe you can start out by telling us your story and how you got into manufactured housing communities. I know you're still relatively new, but yeah, would love to, to learn how you got there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I'm 100% a newbie. I began real estate investing, I think, the way that all people do through learning about bigger pockets and diving into that, right? So that's how I began learning. And then you know, after a certain period of time, it's just about taking action on that. And so I started with a single family flip, used the money from that to hop into a single family rental. I found myself owning that one outright after, you know, buying and, and rehabbing and all of that. And then came the first mobile home park opportunity. And so it, it, it was kind of the progression was kind of single family flip, single family rental, six unit mobile home park, 51 unit mobile home park, and then, you know, on with my, some other investments. So that's fantastic. So yeah, tell us about Blue State Capital. What are you targeting? You know, what size and so forth? Of course. Yeah. So Blue State Capital, I think I, I've found a lot of value, obviously, in being able to raise private money for these deals. Naturally, mobile home park investing is a high cash flow asset, right? For the most part, depending on which route you take on it. But for the most part, it's, it's a very high cash flow asset. So you have the ability to, to raise private money and be able to pay that back with ease. And so Blue State Capital was honestly formed more so to be able to present a company and a brand to potential investors. So we started that a while back. And the target with Blue State Capital is anything mobile home park, multifamily, uh, the target was not actually industrial retail. I just found a killer deal, so we bought it. So we happen to own that. But <laughs> apart from that, the target is primarily mobile home parks and multifamily. Okay, let's talk about the mobile home park side of things and the, the of two deals that you've bought. So the first one was a six unit. When uh, when did you buy that one? What if, what type of work did you do to it? Tell us about the deal. Yeah, of course. So it was a small little six unit mobile home park. There was four units rented, two units vacant. I worked a full-time W-2 at the time. Uh, I worked at an automotive shop and I had, there was relationships I had built just through, you know, working there. I started there when I was 15. So I had been there quite some time at that point. I was 20 years old 
And they came to me and they said, Ed, we've got have a six unit mobile home park. We want to own or finance it. We need $35,000 down, $170,000 purchase price, four units rented, two units vacant. And I had the 35, but it was all tied up in, in my single family that I was doing at the time. That money had not yet been pulled out via refi. And so I went to a friend of mine and, you know, just said, Hey, can I have 35 grand for about, you know, four to six months? And he said, yes, absolutely. Right. Settled on an interest rate. And I purchased it, uh, private money down payment, owner finance, the rest. And then obviously when the refi happened on my single family, that's when I paid everything off and I used that money to also uh, do the value add on the property. Very cool. Yeah. I love the, the creative financing and, and yeah, no money down on your first one of your own cash. So what type of value add did you do? I mean, there was two vacant. Did, uh, did you bring in homes for those lots or did you just rehab the ones that were already there? So on the two that were vacant, I just rehabbed the homes that were already there. They were honestly, uh, structurally, you know, they were a shell, but they were good condition shells um, and they weren't that old. Oh, both of them were newer than uh, the 1990. So they weren't like, you know, super old, right? They weren't new mm-hmm. at all, but they, were, they weren't crazy old. So I rehabbed those. Honestly, a big part of it as well, uh, Andrew, was just kicking out the bad tenants and rehabbing their homes as well. <laughs> there was yeah. a lot of, it was, it was most certainly a an old school landlord type of, you know, purchase where they would just let anybody move in. Uh, Mm -hmm. These were all park owned homes. So I still own all six homes. And so it was, it was a process being kind of, kind of happening together, honestly, but part of it was kicking out the bad tenants, rehabbing, and then renting at a higher rate. And the other portion to it was getting those two units, those two vacant units fixed up and rented. Very cool. So that was your first deal. And that was, you say, two years ago? Uh, yeah, actually almost right at. Nice. And you're, I think you said prior to recording, you're looking to sell that one now? That's more of a flip? So. Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually hoping to sell that one. And we can hop into what I want my portfolio to look like and the reason for the sale. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking to sell that one right now. Very cool. And then tell us about the next one. So you yeah, went from a six unit, jumped right up to a 51 unit. Is that right? With expansion as well? Yeah, absolutely. So after that, to be honest, I think the whole no money down and kind of how it works, that clicked pretty hard for me after that first deal. That was my first true no money down deal, right? And I realized the potential cash flow. Now that that park stabilized my little six unit, it performs currently at like a, a it's like a 20, 28-ish cap, 26 and a half, 28 cap. So to be honest with you, it's First year stabilized, right? So I'm still trying to figure out numbers. But so, you know, I realized the cash flow of those and I said, this is insane. And it showed me how to do no money down. So there was a property that was actually sent to me by a gentleman that was doing, he actually lived in one of my units and he was doing a bunch of work for me at the time, you know, helping rehab and stuff like that. And it was sent, it was listed on Facebook Marketplace and Hmm. he was wanting 2.4 million. And he wanted $750,000 down, owner finance rest at 5% interest. And to be, to be 100% honest with you, I had been looking at like 12 to, we'll say 12 to 20, 15 to 20, somewhere in that range type parks. And so this was substantially larger than what I had, but we got to talking and, and I found it on Facebook Marketplace. And I just, I'm a huge, I'm a huge believer in like never say no to an opportunity, right? So I was 22 years old at the time. And I'm looking at this deal and I'm saying, man, like how on earth do I buy this thing? Right. Where do I get 750 grand from? Like, I don't have that for sure. Right. And, um, and I, I had some investors that wanted to partner on some deals, but definitely not to the $750,000 mark, which is not a large capital raise, but for me at the time it was huge. 
so I, first step was just call the guy, right? And natural uh, North Carolina, old school landlord style. We met at a local barbecue joint in Lexington, <laughs> chatted for a while. And I think at that point, I realized this is actually something that could happen. Price was largely movable. Terms were largely movable. And I looked at it and I, it was 51 units and there was a 15 unit expansion along with it. And the expansion had already been approved by county. Appeal period was passed. He had letters from all from like Energy United, which is the energy of, you know, the, the electric provider. He had everything lined up. It just needed to be executed. And so when I saw that, I said, man, this is massive value add. A bunch of the legwork is done. We can buy this, execute a plan, and that's it. Like there's no, hey, I hope the city approves, right? So yeah, it just made me take a step and not to make a, a, uh, I'll try to keep a long story short, I guess, but over the course of about, you know, three months, we ended up negotiating back and forth. A lot of what happened with this was relationship, Um, you know, him wanting to, to help, hey, you're a young investor, you're hungry, right? let's settle on this, let's settle on that. And, uh, and I mean, huge thanks to him, right? I'm blessed in that perspective, huge thanks to him. But we ended up settling on a one, four purchase price, $300,000 down with uh, 0% financing fully amortized. Wow. That's amazing. And yeah, I love how you met at a barbecue joint, you know, yeah. <laughs> like right <laughs> North, North Carolina, Carolina style. Let's, <laughs> let's sit down and have some, have some barbecue and work out a deal. That sounds like uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. So, Tell me, I mean, where are you in that process? When did you close on that one? And what have you gotten done since you since you closed on it? Of course. So we closed on that property July 27th of last year. So it's been right about a year ago that we closed on that property. We had a lot of issues. Honestly, it was a huge, huge learning curve. So property is on city water, but septic. And I didn't know enough to do all the due diligence that's required in a septic park. So I didn't do nearly enough due diligence. So naturally with a 15 unit expansion, it's raw land right now. Um, it had been somewhat cleared as far as big trees taken out, but apart from that, just raw land. But you're looking at, you know, you've I had the plat map drawn out and then we had to hop into getting the septics, you know, approved and all that. And permits were not yet pulled for those septics. We had you know, soil reports from soil scientists and such, but they were not actually approved from county. So the day after closing, I went ahead and called the septic company. Actually, it was the Monday after, but a couple of days. I called, uh, called, you know, Davidson County Environmental and said, hey, this is what we're going to do. Let's go ahead and get it rock and rolling. And we got it. And there was a solid seven, eight months of us calling county, trying to get them approved, Hey, you have a leak here. Hey, you've got an issue here. Hey, you've got a gray water issue here, right? And so running around the park for months, <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard to get a hold of them in the first place. But so, but I mean, there was issue upon issue upon issue before ever getting them pushed through. And that was my fault because I did not do proper due diligence on the, on the front end, on the purchase of the park. Um, and a huge lesson I learned. But eventually we got them pushed through. So we have the first three approved and good to go. And we've got the next we have homes moved on them. They're hooked up and, and good to go. And we have, uh, we're doing the next phase, which is the next six right now. And then wow. after that, we'll complete it. Very cool. I mean, such a big project, you know, expansion on your second park. That's pretty awesome. What's the occupancy look like on that one? You said it was 51 lots. Yeah. So it's 51 as far as uh, tenant owned 
tenant owned versus park owned homes? Or are you talking about occupancy uh, historically? Yeah, just just yeah, uh, heads and beds. How many paying yeah, tenants? Yeah, absolutely. So um, obviously a, a little bit fishy as we started to move some bad tenants out and put good tenants back in it. As mm-hmm. of right now, um, we are 100% occupied on all 51 units. Wow, that's fantastic, man. Super cool. So, how you know, you said you made a, a mistake on the septic due diligence. Maybe you could tell us, like, what did you do to get educated on mobile home parks, or, or you know, I guess you said you listened to Bigger Pockets. I'm, I'm sure you heard Brandon Turner and and his uh, mobile home parks, you know, fund and different things he's doing with mobile home parks. But how else would you say you got educated on mobile home parks to kind of you know, know that this was a good asset class to invest yeah, in. Of course. So my older brother, John, he was getting into them at the time. Okay. Um, the same people that sold me my park had sold him a park prior to me purchasing the little six unit. And so when I purchased that park, quite frankly, I was very new into real estate in general. I had been learning for quite some time, but actually investing, I was very new at that point. And when I bought that park, as soon as closing table or as soon as we were done signing papers and everything. And obviously I went to their house multiple times and I'm building relationships as best I can. I just asked them, I said, Hey, I'm new to this space. When I have questions, can I call you? And they said, yes, absolutely. You're more than welcome to. And that, that was literally my source of knowledge for most of it. And I did the exact same thing on the 51 unit, the sellers after the transaction, I would just tell them, Hey, this has been a pleasure. Love you guys. Right. And thank you so much for everything you've done. I'm brand new. When I have questions, can I call you? And they would say yes. And I have utilized that more times than I can tell you. <laughs> okay. I would, call, hey. I would call the previous owners all the time. Yeah. Uh, almost all my transactions have been uh, relationship based, right? So it's been sure. like, you know, an elderly couple that's owned it since, you know, the 70s or the 80s or something, right? Sure. And then I come in and, and um, there's, there's a really cool dynamic that happens when there's a young investor, right? Because they want to see me succeed as well. And they see somebody young and hungry and able to perform. Especially um, when they finance it, right? Like they're yeah, vested. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially when it's owner financed, obviously there's, there's even more motivation at that point because they need to see it succeed so that I make my payment. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, to, to be honest with you, most of my knowledge came from, uh, some of it came from my older brother, John, and then a lot of it came from Google just to be frank. And the largest portion most certainly came from the owners I purchased from. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I highly recommend, not sure if you've you know thought about it or not, but there's this thing called the MHU bootcamp, it's like a three-day <laughs> bootcamp. They do it virtual now with yes. Frank, uh, Frank Rolf. So I've been there a couple of times. I think I've been there four times now. And uh, a lot of our other operators have been there. So one little mm-hmm. tip uh, to someone just starting out. Tell me about your utility preferences. I, I know you said this big one has city water and septic. Uh, what's your small one have? And, and do you have a preference when you're looking at utilities? Yeah. So the small one has a, a is on well and septic. Mm. Um, I try to avoid well as much as I possibly can. Septic is definitely not preferable, but it's not going to be a deal breaker. Well is usually I won't touch that at all. And I've learned throughout that it's not so much the repairs on the well. It's that there's, if, if you know, at, at least in, in my area, if there's reports of contamination in that park, then there is a mandatory monthly inspection that has to happen through the environmental department. Um, and it kills cash flow. So I've been fortunate to not have to do that, but I have spoken to some people that have. Um, and I mean, naturally, of course, you're, you're, 
your bill is going to be less if you don't have a well to, to deal with. I've spent a good bit of money on my six unit well, but fortunately I don't have the issue of the environmental department, but I have spoken with some people that have. So, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's completely a deal breaker, but it definitely sways heavily for me on that front. Septics, um, I much, much prefer obviously all city utilities, but uh, it, I wouldn't say that's as much of a deal breaker just because I'm, I'm dealing with so much of it right now on the like ground up, right? What's the soil mm-hmm. going to be approved for? What do leach fields look like? Like all that stuff that I feel like I, I have a better idea of what to look for on that. So that's yeah, you what, probably learned. Yeah. You've probably been forced to like learn what, you know, what all that looks like. <laughs> so you know what to look for into. next time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, And then I know you said on your six unit, you still have all of those as park owned homes. Is that the model you prefer is kind of just renting them out? So as of right now, yes, my parks were purchased as uh, the reason that I that I started purchasing parks in the first place was high cash flow. Mm -hmm. Um, And once again, like my my six unit performs at between a twenty six and a half and a twenty eight cap. And um, like now with that, are you capitalizing like all of the income that it brings in? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So gotcha. all of the income, like true cap rate. So what it brings in versus expenditure, including all expenses, and then also factoring in the rehab on the mobile homes toward purchase price. Right. So figuring that difference, it performs there. Currently. Okay. Um, Our model is different. We, we prefer tenant owned homes yeah. just because of the financing. Like we're going to, you know, bigger banks of and uh, you know, the banks prefer the tenant owned home model. And absolutely, that's a big factor once you come to refis and things like that. But uh, yeah. I'm sure, man, I mean, if you can rent those things for a thousand or, or so a month, I mean, they really, they really cash flow, especially if they're yeah. not older beat up homes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think once again, like model was cash flow continues to be as of right now, but scalability is most certainly not there with, with park owned homes. So that is beginning to switch. Um, as far as I, I would currently, I'm working on buying a park up in Lincolnton right now. And that the plan is it's tenant owned homes, uh, or sorry, it's park owned homes, but the plan is to switch to tenant owned uh, as soon as possible. Yeah. So that's, okay. that is 100% the goal. It's just in the past starting out cash flow was king. And if that meant doing extra work, I was a okay with it. Gotcha. Um, tell us what other mistakes have you made, you know, that you think other newbies could learn from? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe something you do differently. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think one of the one of the ones on the first park that I purchased was not checking title to homes. Um, when I tell you I was new when I bought that, I didn't know anything, Andrew. I knew nothing. So you know, not checking title to homes, not understanding the risks involved. Something that I've learned as of recent. Well, I say recent. It's been a while back, but understanding just general due diligence items, really, you know, uh, septics, there's so much that goes into septics. If they were installed, you know, 30, 40 years ago, then what do those lines look like? Where do they cross that? Right. Uh, where do new leach fields go in? Right. If, if you have to replace one, is the current soil contaminated if it is a septic and looking at all that kind of stuff, there's a lot of due diligence items that uh, you can talk about all day, but I think is primarily learned once you run into some of those issues. Yeah. I think another issue is, or or another mistake that I made primarily on the six unit is taking everything at face value and just saying, okay, this is what the owner said. Obviously this year is what the case is. And that's, that's a, that's a, that's a terrible mistake to make, but you know, it it most certainly did happen for me. I just took it at face value and said, okay, obviously they're telling the truth. Obviously it's exactly what they said it is. Um, 
So that was, that was definitely another big mistake for me. And then I think in reality, not, not allowing my mind to expand to, okay, how do I buy more? Right. Just staying like, Oh no, I'm, I'm 23 years old. I'm a young investor. I'm 22 years old. I'm a young investor. Like, no, I can't buy something that big. Right. Not allowing my mind to expand into, into larger purchases and say, okay, not no, I'm too young, but like, how can I? Right. Um, and then finding a solution and then presenting solution to set up or to see if uh, we can make a deal happen. Love that. Yeah. I think one thing going back to the due diligence, you know, when we started, we just used the handbook that from the MHU book bootcamp, he, he has like a 30 day due diligence handbook that he, he gives out and we use that. And it was a, it was a great starting point, but you know, through buying 33 mobile home parks, that list has tripled in size. So yeah. our due diligence list today is three times as big as it was, you know, on our first park that we bought. And is you know, every deal we've added stuff to it to make sure, okay, we need to check this next time. We need to check that. So uh, agreed. I think you, you learn by doing, but you know, you definitely want to try to catch the big stuff, especially with the utilities up front yeah, of course. Um, and due diligence. Uh, tell us Edwin, what does the perfect mobile home park look like in your eyes and why? Perfect mobile home park for me, uh, as of right now, would be um, anything like I'll say 40 units and up. So city utilities complete. I would want city septic and city water. Yeah, city septic water and city electric um, or county electric. And I would actually want about a split unit mix. So about 50% tenant owned, about 50% park owned homes. Um, with extra land approved for expansion. I know that's rare, but that would be the perfect go. right now. Wow. Yeah. Lots of value add there. Yes. Um, let me, let me ask you this. What are the most important things passive investors need to look out for when investing into mobile home parks or investing into an operator like yourself? What do you think they should look at? Um, I think one of the most important things, if you're investing into an operator or investing in the company, I think look at the person's track record, obviously, um, and see how many projects have they truly pulled off, right? And are they hitting deadlines as planned? Uh, if somebody is looking to purchase a park themselves, I think being able to call somebody that has already done the deal and just say, okay, listen, what's the, what's the checklist, right? What do I need to look at? There's so many variables in parks, whether it's tenant-owned homes, park-owned homes, city utilities, you know, private utilities, roads, right? What do the roads look like? And and there, I mean, there's you know much much better than I do, quite frankly. You're much more experienced than I am. But there's a million checklist items, and just like you mentioned, your list tripled, right? So just being able to call somebody and learn about a lot of the things, you know, some parks you may have to check this box and other parks that box isn't really relevant. Um, so just being able to, to do all of that, I think it comes down to due diligence, really, if, if you want to yeah. shorten it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so what does the future look like for you and, and Blue State Capital? Uh, you know, what are you guys planning to do with mobile home parks, you know, moving forward? Uh, you looking to still acquire those? Or are you looking at other asset classes? What's your focus? So we are open to other asset classes. Our focus is still multifamily and mobile home parks. Um, we are open to like industrial mixed use, industrial retail mixed use spaces, um, but focus is still primarily, you know, mobile home parks, multifam. Um, goal from here is 
really just expand. I, I want to buy a bunch of other parks that I can um, get closer to automation on via park owned home. I'm oh, sorry, tenant owned homes. My apologies. Cool. Um, so how can listeners get a hold of Blue State Capital? So like we so. have, um, I mean, first of all, you can email me, edwin at bluestatecap.com. Um, um, we're on Instagram. We're, if you Google us, we'll pop up, right? Blue State Capital uh, will pop up on Google. Um, my partner, Brandon Glover, you can reach out to him. Uh, it's brandon at bluestatecap.com. Same thing, right? We're on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, anywhere, anywhere. Probably the best can, way, shoot us an email or Google us. <laughs> yeah. And maybe you can tell a little bit to to the listeners, you know, Blue State Capital, I kind of gave you a little riff for that because uh, we we <laughs> avoid blue states, right? We, yes, we want to buy in red states. So tell us how you came up with that that name. Yeah. So just for clarification, this was an oversight on my part, but just for clarification, Blue State represents North Carolina as a blue state in terms of sports teams, in terms of you know, the Blue Ridge Mountains, the Blue Ridge Parkway, in terms of all of that, the state as a whole, it is not a political statement. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Not in any way, shape, or form, trust me. Yeah. And before we sign off, tell us about the, the deadlift world record. Uh, I think you said you have, you have two world records uh, for the yes. deadlift. I tell do. I have that. two That's world cool. and two national. So my one world record is in the deadlift. The other world record is uh, total. So in powerlifting, you have your three lifts, your bench, deadlift, and squat. Um, all of that was me as a teenager, to be honest. I, uh, I I didn't drop it, but I stopped competing at a high level, I should say, soon after my 20s. But yeah, I do. I, that was a big part of my teenage years, uh, 16, 17, 18, 19. That was a big part of them was competing in uh, powerlifting, trying to lift as much weight as possible. That was it. Wow, man. That's pretty awesome. Well, congrats on those. Thank you. Um, and thank you so much for for coming on the show and and uh, being interviewed. I really appreciate the time you took. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks, Edwin. Uh, That's it for today, folks. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Hey, are you getting value out of this show? If so, would you mind please going over to iTunes and leaving the show a quick five-star review? I have a goal of hitting over 100 five-star reviews by the end of 2021, and it would mean the absolute world to me if you could help contribute to that. Thanks ahead of time for making my day with your five-star review of the show.